Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Marnie's Friends, the online training show where experts share insights into aspects of life and leadership that take you from surviving to thriving ASAP. Right now, you are about to discover practical, doable success strategies to shorten your learning curve, increase your productivity, and skyrocket your delight in life. Be sure to thank today's guest by sharing this program via your favorite social media outlet and swing by Marnie.com and give me a shout out too. Now let's get going with today's episode of Marnie's Friends. Welcome, welcome. This is Marnie Swedberg. Welcome to another edition of Marnie's Friends. So excited to have you here with us today as well as our special guest, Rick Franzi of criticalmassforbusiness.com. We're going to be talking today about building our businesses or ministries with content marketing. And today's guest, Rick, is going to share with us why content marketing makes all the difference and how to maximize it right now, how to create valuable content fast, the secret sauce of content marketing, the four organizing strategies that will help you effectively compete in the future, the effect of unintended consequences on your business and how to minimize or eliminate them now, and also six keys to securing your business success. Rick is a great guy to talk to us about this because he's a best-selling author and entrepreneur, keynote speaker, and the leader of a large learning community of CEOs in Southern California. He helps leaders understand how to use content marketing to build their businesses, brands, and communities, and his new book, Killing Cats, Leads to Rats is available from any major bookseller. You can learn more about Rick at his website, criticalmassforbusiness.com. Welcome to you, Rick. Marnie, thank you for having me on your show. I've been excited to be on this show since you invited me. I hope I am as interesting and informative as a guest on your show as you have been on my show in the past. Thanks. Well, I always enjoy on-air minutes with you, and I'm excited to pick your brain for a whole hour about this because I know that this is a topic that you've done a lot of research and um, study in and also consulting in. And you just have a new book out right now, Killing Cats Leads to Rats. Where did that title come from? I've been giving – well, it came from a member of my audience years ago. I've been giving this talk on the unintended consequences of business decisions, and uh, during one of the talks, uh, one of the uh, attendees raised his hand and said, Rick, I forget what I was calling at the time. He said, but you should call it Killing Cats Leads to Rats. And the reason for that is one of the Mm -hmm. examples of unintended consequences, and it's not in the business world, but it's certainly something that we know about, which are the series of plagues that hit – Europe in the 13 and 1600s. Um, Many people are aware that the plague was caused by fleas that were on rats that were in the population. And um, people were thinking at the time that maybe the cats and dogs were the causes of the plague. And so they went about exterminating cats and dogs. And unfortunately, the unintended consequence of that was that the rat population flourished, the fleas flourished, and the plagues each time got worse. So we talk about that in my mm-hmm. talk. It's in my book as well, but that's that's the nature of the title of the book. I love that. And I love how you took a talk and turned it into a book. <laughs> it's one of the strategies for content marketing, which we're going to talk about here today. <laughs> okay, so let's start with the basics. So why is this content marketing so important? Well, I, I'd like 
I'd like thanks for asking that, but I'd like to start by just for your audience to define roughly how I view content marketing. I think Great. of it as a yeah, type of marketing that involves, you know, the creation and sharing of material many times online because that's very effective for entrepreneurs and speakers and ministers to use social media and tools, but it doesn't have to just be online. And we'll talk about, you know, the different venues in, in, later in the interview, I'm sure, but it's the sharing of that material that doesn't specifically promote your brand. It's not a commercial, it's not an ad, but the intended consequence of that is to stimulate interest in you as a thought leader or your products or your service. So content marketing is really marketing, but it's creating material that's perceived valuable by a target audience that you're trying to reach. Can I even interject here that that would be differentiated like from an advertisement that, you know, that this is not going to be perceived or look anything like an advertisement? No, no, that's, Marnie, you're exactly right. I mean, I, examples of content marketing would be something as simple as a FAQ, you know, FAQ that's on your website. Or it could be your blog posts that are talking about subjects that would be of interest to your target audience. It could be shareable videos that you've created, you know, how-to videos or how-to content. A lot of entrepreneurs are found by writing and delivering insight and information that the target audience is seeking to find. And once they find your site and read your content or watch your videos or whatever the medium is you're using, they begin to have an awareness for you as a brand. As someone said, if you teach somebody how to fish, sooner or later they'll yes. figure out you're selling fishing poles. Yeah, so when we think about this content marketing, um, it, it, one of the reasons that it is so important is because it does allow you to be found. Like I, th you know, I think of the big world of the Internet, so many choices out there. And yet when you have keywords that are throughout your talks, throughout your facts, throughout your blog posts, you, you, begin, to, you begin to be able to be found in your niche categories. Go into exactly why this content marketing is so important. Uh, I'd love to. There's a gentleman by the name of Marcus Sheridan. He too is an author. His latest book is titled, They Ask, You Answer. Uh, I'll just take a minute and give you the backstory on Marcus if I could. He is a fellow entrepreneur, like many of your listeners, like you and like me. And he had a pool company in the southeastern United States that during the Great Recession, he was worried he was going to go out of business because people were not buying pools when the values of their homes were dropping and the job markets were evaporating and the things that happened in the Great Recession. So out of out of necessity, almost out of panic, he sat down with his, his employees and they tried to figure out how can we keep this business afloat to get through the recession. And the idea came up that they should answer a very basic question to start with, which was how much does it cost to install a fiberglass pool? Because in their industry, nobody wanted to answer that question because it was complicated. And so he began with his staff to write thoughtful articles, blog posts, 
videos on how an individual could determine a relative cost for their pool project. They put this information online. What it enabled them to do was get access to enough people who were considering putting a pool in, even given the recession, that his company was able to survive the Great Recession. I just had him speak to my learning community last week here in Southern California, and he said that the latest research shows that fully 70% of people who encounter your brand online are already in a buying mode. They are ready to make a purchase. They are looking online to figure out who they should purchase from. And if you have information that is easily findable by them, they will seek you out not because they're looking to buy the product, but they're looking to make an informed decision about the purchase, and you're there as a brand that's helping them with information. Yeah. It's so different um, than cold calling, <laughs> which is, you know, I mean, when, when someone's doing a search and they come upon your information, it is, it is so gold. Well, for me, it started in 2008. I read a book called The Obvious Expert, and if there are, um, if there are consultants and speakers, and, 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 and I would say people in the ministry as well, this is a how-to book. If you haven't read it, I would recommend a book by the name of How to Position Yourself as the Obvious Expert. So in 2008, amongst all the other things that I was doing, I read this book, and it really was, if you, I think about it now, a precursor to content marketing. The idea that I, the big idea that I took out of this one book was to write my own book. Because it mm -hmm. said in here, if you want to be a differentiated service provider in your niche, you need to be seen as someone who is an expert. And at that time, and I think it's true today still, one of the best ways to differentiate your brand is to write a book that you can then become a published author. And that was part of the inspiration for why I wrote my first book, Critical Mass, The Ten Explosive Powers of CEO Peer Groups. Because when I did that, I found out that no one in my industry had ever written a book on why CEOs and business owners go to these mastermind groups. There were a lot of white papers mm. and articles, but there was no book. So mm. I wrote the first book ever in my niche, which gave me credibility, I believe, in the marketplace to differentiate myself. Well, absolutely. And I mean, I just have to tell you that, you know, like sometimes I'll have uh, guests on my show that haven't written books. I am, if, if it's apples to apples, I'm more likely to have somebody on who has written a book about it. And it's just because that person has already proven to me before I even, before I even get to looking very deeply, they've already proven to me that they have researched the subject deeply enough to have written an entire book on it versus somebody who maybe has just thought about it sometimes and does it sometimes. I mean, there's a big difference in my perspective of a potential guest or a potential expert that I'm going to go to to ask a question whether they've written a book or not, not because they've written the book, but because the reality that they wrote it indicates that they spent the time to research it. Is that, I mean, is that how you think? I think that's awesome what you just said. I, Man, I wish I would. I want a copy of this interview because I want to play it back for, the, <laughs> yes. The, the amount of people that I have encountered in my life now, business owners and entrepreneurs and speakers and, authors, and people who want to become an author who say, you know, I've always wanted to write a book. Can you help me to write the book? And I've made a, 
commitment to the universe when I wrote my first book that I would try to be a positive influence for anybody else who ever wanted to write a book. And I can a very common strategy that people are using to write books is called blog the book because many times people are overwhelmed by the idea of writing a book. But if you're writing a blog on a regular basis, if you take, do a look back on your blog, maybe over the last year, I don't know the frequency with which you write your blog, but you can take a collection of your blog posts and reformat that, and that's a blog the book strategy, which is very common and can be very powerful because a lot of times people wouldn't find your blog, but they might find your book, and in that they get much of what you've written about and talked about over the past, let's say, year. Hmm. Yeah, that's so great. We're going to take a little break. We're going to come back and talk more about that, about how to create valuable content for us, and also some secret sauce for content marketing with Rick Franzi, our guest today from Critical Mass for Business. We'll be right back. Do you ever need a guest speaker? Or maybe you're a speaker who's available to go. Check out womenspeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world since 2002. Connecting thousands of planners with over 1,300 speakers, speakers are available to you from every state, denomination, experience level, and fee range. You simply search when you have time, anytime, day or night, and connect directly with the speakers that interest you. No middlemen, no hidden fees. It's all simple, easy, enjoyable, and online. Check it out today at womenspeakers.com. That's www.womenspeakers.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie Swedberg. We're talking today about building your business with content marketing. And of course, this is just a buzzword that we hear all over the place, content marketing, content marketing. But what is it really? And how can you use it to build awareness of what you're trying to do in the world today right now our guest today rick franzi is uh, from criticalmassforbusiness.com and you're going to want to check out his website as soon as the show's over right now rick we started to talk about developing content one of the ways that you were talking about was to blog your book which is uh which is a wonderful way to go about it as you're writing your blogs you're obviously thinking through content at a level that you don't have in day-to-day conversation. You're, you're already, you know, getting rid of the fluff and reducing it down and getting great, you know, examples and all that kind of stuff. So what, did, you, did you actually, um, have you actually blogged a book yourself? Yes, Marnie. My second book, which is Critical Mass, The Power of CEO Guiding Principles, came out of the radio show that I've been doing since 2009. And so it technically wasn't blog posts that I put in the mm-hmm. book. What it was was excerpts of a common, consistent question that I've asked my guests over the years, which is, of all the things you've learned in your business, have you developed an overarching philosophy or what I would call a guiding principle for how you're leading and growing your firm? And, Marnie, when I first started asking that question, I wasn't sure – if it would have legs, you know, if it would be something that right. would be valuable to keep asking or if it would just fall by the wayside because I wouldn't get any substantive answers. And, and what I found through doing it was I was getting these unique answers from guests, sometimes unexpected insights into who they were as a leader. And someone made a comment to me and said, you know, you ought to think about collecting those ideas 
and put them into a common platform. You know, so you know, there's a message here because I believe in the power of peer learning. For those authors and entrepreneurs and ministers that are out there, you don't have to come up with every good idea yourself. You just have to make yourself available to them by the people that love and care about you and that are in your business world. So my second book is a combination, a compilation, I should say, of quotes and stories that came from the guests. And I'm now in my third release of that book. Like every year and a half to two years, I do a look back, and I grab some new interviews, and I update the book. So uh, we call it GP for shorthand, Guiding Principles. GP is on its third release with 130 CEOs and business owners who have contributed to the content. You know, what you're telling us about here, in my book, um, it's an Amazon bestseller. It's called eBooks, Idea to Amazon in 15, 14 Days, because I actually uh, was contracted to do the training on it, and so I just did it myself. I took it to eBook in 14 days, and then the week later it was, came out in paperback. But that's one of the huge, the huge concepts in there is, first of all, you have already got a lot of content in your possession. Most people most people realize after a while, like they have a bunch of blogs or like you had a bunch of, you know, radio, radio content um, transcripts or whatever that you had available to you already. One time I wrote a book in a week because I had a whole file stuffed full of scavenger hunts that I'd been doing over the years. And I, I, I was holding it in my hand to look down and went, oh my goodness, I needed one of these and I couldn't find one online. Other people need what I've got in my hands. You know, so we have a bunch of content. And then when you include other people in that, like you did in your book, and this was the point I was trying to make here, was when you include the names of other people, um, that gives your book additional credibility in the marketplace, additional search engine uh, results, because people who know those people are searching for those people find your books because you got, I mean, it just is, it goes all over the place. Um, we're kind of getting a little off track here, and I want to go back to, Creating valuable content fast. Other than blogging a book or transcripts from a radio show, do you have other suggestions for people who want to create valuable content fast? Uh, I sure do. Um, there, there is a concept in content marketing called newsjacking, which is taking current topics that are in the news that you have an opinion or an insight into and contributing to that conversation. And you can do that on a variety of different vehicles, but it's a very powerful tool when done with, you know, with ethics and with purpose to be able to create content which is your perspective, which I need to say is very important in content marketing, is that you have a voice, that you have a take, quote unquote, that you have a point of view that is consistently reinforced throughout what you do. Uh, I worked with a mm-hmm. consultant who was focusing on trust because he believes in, in companies. Trust is the foundation of high performance. And through the conversation of working with him, he ended up becoming the trust guy in his market because stories that he would read about, he would put through the filter of trust and then comment on the topic of the day as he related to it in the form of trust. And so he didn't have to – it's easier to edit than it is to create content. So if you can find content that's already started, that's relevant to your audience, and add value to it through your perspective, it's a very quick 
and dynamic way for you to stay relevant, topical, and kind of front of mind with your audience? Well, the other the other beauty in newsjacking again is is that you are the go-to person when there's a story. So you newsjack. Let's say that your specialty is. Um, I just am going to grab something out of the air. This is a terrible example, but uh, bicycles, that's, that's your spe- specialty. Well, when there's a bicycle accident, when there's a bicycle um, race coming to town, whatever, when you become that person to, to the media, to the people who need quotes from people, they come to you. It just reinforces the expert uh, level there, and the content marketing value goes up again. Um, it leads people to your website, to what you do. What is the secret sauce of content marketing? Do you have one? The secret sauce to content marketing is there's no secret to content marketing other than persistence. I have worked with a number of consultants who start on this journey and then lose focus on their content marketing creation and then look back at a point in time in the future and lament the fact that they started to get some momentum, but they left it to the side. So the first secret is you have to do it. You have to do it consistently. You have to do it across multiple platforms. And the beauty of that, while that sounds daunting, is you can take a message that's appropriate for your blog and put a different spin on it for your other social networks. Taking the same content and just pushing it through the different networks is not as effective as taking the message and reformatting it for the short form Twitter sphere, maybe for the longer form YouTube world, maybe for even the longer form in your blog posts, and finding opportunities to comment on other people's platforms about a subject that you're a knowledgeable expert on makes you keyword searchable again, makes your content relevant, and also puts you out on third-party platforms that gives you additional credibility beyond what you're able to create organically inside your own brand. So I'd say for those that are interested who want to give this a shot, Understand, this is a way of marketing your business. This is not a quick hit to get some clients. This is really the platform from which you are building your brand awareness and your audience. Yeah, so good. I was thinking you were going to say, and I'm going to add a little bit of secret sauce here to this too, is um, persistence is so key. And also to be shareable. Um, there's such a big difference, and it took me a lot of years, Rick, to get my head around this. And I'm actually still – just last week I learned another um, another level of it. But shareable, you know, and people would say that to me all the time, you have to be shareable, you have to be shareable. What does that really mean? What it means is that when I put something on Facebook or a blog or a video or my show or whatever – other people not only appreciate it themselves, but they like it so much that they need so-and-so to hear about this. And so they tag it them or they forward it to them or they invite them. That's what shareable means. And that's the same as what a lot of people are doing that they're calling content marketing. A lot of content marketing is really salesy. 
And that's not the kind of thing that most people share. Can you comment on this? You, you gave a key point, and thank you, Marty, for bringing that in because it is the power of your audience. Um, think, I'd ask each entrepreneur that's listening to the show, either live or in the future as a podcast, if, if they're interested in doing what we're talking about today, the first place to start is reframe your brand around considering yourself a publisher. You are publishing mm-hmm. for an audience. After you've accepted the concept of being a publisher, think about who is your audience and who do I program my content for based on my knowledge, my expertise. After you've done that, the next step is who can help me to reach a larger audience beyond my organic ability to reach an audience? And, and what you just said is a key to that, which is creating content that people want to share because it will be perceived as benefiting the person they're going to share it with. But also remember, it helps their brand by sharing really good content that you've created to their audience, which is now an extension of your audience because some of those people may come back to the source and become a follower, a listener, a reader of your content. Absolutely, and I just heard I just heard one um, this week where not not only can that happen, but actually the person who who uh, who shared yours that their customer comes back and literally becomes your customer. I mean, it not just follows back through, but there's all these inner uh, as a as a Bible studier, I call it body life. There's this all these intertwined relationships that are built to be that way. And when you try to do it on your own, you don't have the benefit of all those other relationships. I think of LinkedIn being like that, how LinkedIn is, you know, so very aware of and in your face, but this is a first level, this is a second level relationship, this is a third level relationship. You know, they're all about telling you, you know, which level this one's on for you. But the reality is that that's really important. That's huge. And content marketing allows us not only to go to the third level, but it allows us to go to the thousandth or even millionth level as someone sees or hears what you did and says, somebody I know needs this information right now and they share it, and you would have never, ever had the opportunity to reach that person. We've approached that with the radio show. And like I said, I started doing my radio show in 2009, uh, about a month after I was a guest on a, on a podcast. So I, was, I was a guest on a radio show. I came away from that experience saying, I really like the host, sort of mm. how I feel about you, right? I, I, her name was Deborah Sweet. It was Leadership Talk Radio. I never met Deborah, but she had me on my show, on her show about my first book. And I, and I thought, I really feel like she did me a favor. I'd like to repay that favor. And then the second thought that went through my mind is, I'd like to have people feel that way about Rick Franzi. And so I, I went to my public mm-hmm. relations person at the time, and I said, I think I want to start doing a, blog, a podcast radio show. The, the beauty of doing this radio show, and since then we've interviewed over 1,200 guests. We've had a, we have 1,000 podcasts up. I have over 200,000 downloads. The audience listens for the guest because the guest has content that they're interested in hearing. Many times the guests will use their own social media platforms 
to promote the show in advance. And certainly after the show, many of the guests have put the interviews on their website, which then allows for people to find it off of their site, which hopefully then brings them back to me. So this idea of, of using your content marketing by multiplying it through a, a network of people can be done in a variety of different ways, but it, it really is the power of content marketing. If you're creating content that is shareable, I always recognize, Marnie, that we as entrepreneurs have a very limited bandwidth and time. All we really have is where we focus. And to focus on content marketing and to drive no revenue ultimately would be a very bad strategic decision. But to equally, to write content that is solely designed to drive revenue immediately or in the short term also is a bad strategic decision because of what you said earlier, the shareability of that content and the ability you have to create an audience that becomes loyal. Mm, yeah. Uh, so great. This hour is just flying by. Okay, we're going to take a little break. We're going to come back and talk about the four organizing strategies that will help you effectively compete in the future. You don't want to miss this. We'll be right back. Women's ministry leaders across America rely on womensevents.info to find the major Christian women's events coming to their area. Womensevents.info is the only online directory of its kind featuring all the upcoming major Christian women's events. You are invited to search for events coming near you or to add your own major Christian women's events. Everything's easy and accessible over at womensevents.info. That's www.womensevents.info. And welcome back. We are talking today with Rick Franzi about the topic of building your business or ministry with content marketing. Rick, our next topic is for organizing strategies. You know, it was funny because we were talking just before break and I was thinking, how do you organize? I wanted to pick your brain. How do you organize all of this? And I, now you're going to take us into that, so I'm so excited. Uh, what are some organizing strategies that help us to actually stay ahead? I, I know this can all be pretty overwhelming to people. And it really doesn't have to be. You, you, you're on a journey. It's, you're going to walk before you run. And the beauty is there are so many great uh, places to learn about content marketing. One that I wanted to mention, if I could, is the Content Marketing Institute. Its founder, Joe Polizzi, and business partner, Robert Rose, have great world-class content on content marketing on their website, and it's Content Marketing Institute. So just Google that. They also have a very powerful podcast called PNR, Polizzi and Rose, This Old Marketing, where every week for about 40 minutes they talk about the latest trends in content marketing. It, there's a rich reservoir of, of information on content marketing. You, Marnie, are an outstanding example of content marketing. There's just multiple places people can go to learn. So don't be intimidated that it feels like it's a whole different way of thinking and doing business. It actually becomes a very uh, organic and natural way for many people who like to share knowledge and who feel good about helping people. Mm. So let's, yeah, I, I want to come back to the four organizing strategies. So I've been doing um, research for a number of years on companies that are able to effectively compete against larger brands in their space. I think hmm. most entrepreneurs feel they have a, at least one 
bigger competitor that they meet on a regular basis in the marketplace. And many times, the smaller entrepreneurs feel that all the benefits accrue to the bigger company, bigger budgets, bigger website. Bigger is always better many times in their mind. More people. And what I have found is that's not necessarily and always the case. As a matter of fact, there is a comparative advantage to being smaller than those larger competitors. And one of them is in the area of content marketing because you have the ability as the entrepreneur to develop a voice that can be genuine and true to who you are without a lot of filters between you and the marketplace. But one of the other things that I've found by looking at these companies that were able to con effectively compete against larger competitors over a long period of time is there were four strategies that they had that are copyable. You can use them in any space. And so I came up with an acronym, and it's RARE, R-A-R-E. The first R stands for relevant. These smaller companies, I'd say, are, being, are worthy of being included in the discussion. In other words, they understand the niche or niches that they serve. They have good ideas of who their core prospects and clients are. And then they use technologies to appear closer to those prospects so that they can be found. And content marketing is a huge part of this first part of the four-part strategies, which is relevant. But once they're found, because we only have limited marketing budgets, so we really have to be careful how we spend our marketing dollars to be discovered online or in person, they are the second letter in rare is A, which is authentic. In other words, as a prospect, when I, when I discover you online, Marnie, and I get a sense for who you are, and then I engage you directly, your brand, your people, your positioning is consistent with the messaging that you had that attracted me to your brand. And once I've determined that you may be smaller, but you may be more appropriate for me to do business with, then clients are ready to do business with those companies. But in order to keep them as your clients over the long term, what I've found is these companies the next letter is R. They're responsive. They're, they're nimble in thought and organization. In other words, they constantly look at how do I keep my company being relevant, being appropriate for the market, and embracing new technologies and new ideas as appropriate for my company. So the, these companies don't rest on their laurels. They are reinvigorating the company each and every business cycle to make sure that they're responsive to the market. And the, the final letter in this acronym is E. They're enlightened. By that, what I mean is a lot of what we've talked about. They don't look just inside their company for good ideas. They recognize that there are great small companies around the country, if not around the world, who are doing really innovative ideas, and they try to learn from them and seeing if they could adapt or adopt what other people are doing and bring it into their industry. You know, many times that's where 
breakthrough thinking comes from. You take something from a different industry, and you bring it into your industry that's never tried it before, you've all of a sudden become a disruptor in your space. So the mm. keys to longevity is four simple letters, and the acronym is RARE. That's awesome, relevant, authentic, responsive, enlightened. And I like how you talk about um, the little guy actually has the opportunity to fill a different uh, need than the big guys can fill. And I, I love that. You know, when I think about niche, I, I think that's where you start. You start by looking around and saying, where is the hole? You know, what is it that I have that people are looking for? Because there, there is something. I, I just believe it. I just believe that everybody that's listening to my voice right now, when God strung together your three billion base pair of DNA, he did it in a particular way. He put you on earth right now at this time in history. And that you're here for a reason if, if you don't live up to, if you don't live out that purpose that is built into your DNA, I, I think that we are all missing out on what you could bring to us. Rick, you've been a great example of, you know, following a track that, that took you in a specific direction, listening to your heart, saying, you know, I think I want to start a radio show because I want to be able to do this as well. It's, it's funny to me because you and I started the same year. That was 2009. Uh, one of my business coaches was saying, you just got to do, you got to just switch from, I, I was doing teleconferences at the time, and he said, switch over and do a podcast. It's going to, or at the time it was just a radio show, but he said, it's going to just be able to reach a lot more people. And that's been such a wonderful thing for me too. When you think about this now, this rare, and I always call it unique, uh, you know, you are uniquely designed to do these things. Uh, what do you find when you're working with somebody and they get to the point where they recognize, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. What are you seeing different happen for them compared to when they were doing what they, you know, what somebody else told them they should do or the, the path that maybe their family had laid out for them or whatever? Have you seen some people actually find how to be rare and how to be uniquely themselves in business? Um, yes, absolutely. I, I, um, I think it's one of the, having worked a, an extensive amount of time in the corporate world, where it felt most like you had to conform to get along. You know, there, there was a culture, and you needed to fit that culture, and too much nonconformity could be viewed as risky, and from my direct experience in the corporate world. In, in the entrepreneur's world, which is one of the things that I love about this over the corporate world, it was nice to have the regular paycheck in the corporate world. It's much more rewarding to be able to. I'm more myself now in this business than I could have ever been in the corporate world, and I'm able to be more responsive to the environment because, for me, the time from when a good idea gets implemented is a really painful time for me because I know I should be doing something different and better. And so as an entrepreneur, I can take that and shorten that time down. Uh, a number of the people that I've worked with here in Southern California who have adopted this content marketing and be true to themselves have actually found, to their surprise, that there were a lot of people who were waiting for them to show up to reach mm -hmm. them in a way that nobody else had been able to reach them. It's almost like if you're willing to be vulnerable and take a risk and be genuine, there's an audience for that person in the marketplace that is more loyal than the audience to a larger competitor 
who just buys on maybe service, maybe delivery, maybe price, maybe just because we've always bought from Brand X. There's a deeper commitment that you can get from your customer base when there's more of you in your business. I really like how you how you brought in the part about being vulnerable too, because it is it is vulnerable. It's it, it does take a lot of courage to step out. And I, you know, there's that saying, you know, don't don't quit your day job quite yet, you know. And there's you know, there's the balance there of, you know, not stepping out too soon, but at the same time, to and, and a lot of you listening, you don't never have to quit your day job. That is where you're at. That's what you're supposed to be doing, and you're doing that uh, effectively. And that is that is where you're you are to be. So I'm not saying that you have to leave in order to go find this, but I just think that a lot of people have a passion or a dream in their heart that they don't go for because it does feel vulnerable and scary. And I just want to encourage you that if you have something like that, start on it, start a blog, start 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 researching it farther, uh, start in a small way and move toward it and see what happens. Rick, you talk about in your new book, um, you talk about the unexpected consequences on your business and the effects of those, how to minimize that or eliminate them now. And I, don't, I know we don't have very much time here, but can you take a couple minutes and just talk to us about maybe some of the key factors that we need to keep in mind with that? Yeah, and, uh, and I know we have a very short amount of time, but I'd just like to tell a quick story. And, it, and there are a countless number of stories like this in my book, which was, a, uh, again, a talk that turned into this book. And it has to do with Pepsi in the Philippines in the 1990s. They were competing against Coke, as they do everywhere in the world. And unlike most other markets where it's you know, pretty even market share, they were at a significant disadvantage. They had like 17% market share. And they weren't going to stand for that. So they came up with this game, which they called the number game, which is underneath bottle caps. They had printed three-digit numbers. And based on the number, when you got it, you wanted to – bunch of different prizes, and there was one grand prize, which was a million pesos, about $20,000 U.S., that one person would win. And you talk about unintended consequences. The day they announced the winning number, which was 349, they were very excited because the program had worked quite well. I mean, they, they had gained significant market share back against Coke while running this promotion. And so the day they announced the winning number, they told the holder of that winning number, if they were in the capital Manila, to come to the, Coca, to the Pepsi office, and they would uh, make a big deal out of it, and they would win their prize. The next morning, there were thousands of people who were in the streets outside the Pepsi headquarters in Manila because inadvertently, instead of printing one 349, <gasps> they printed oh maybe up to 80,000 of them. Oh, it cost, it cost, they, they rioted. I mean, there were Pepsi bottling trucks that were burned. There were Pepsi bottling plants that were attacked. The executives of Pepsi had to leave the Philippines fearing for their own safety. There were 22,000 civil lawsuits, 5,000 criminal complaints. It cost Pepsi $10 million in fines and restitutions to recover from that one unintended consequence of having too many 349s printed. Oh, my goodness. I have been fascinated by this idea of unintended consequences of business decisions. And this works for businesses of three people to 30,000 people. You have unintended consequences of your business decisions. There's a lot of work that's been done in sociology about societies and unintended consequences and a lot that's written about government programs and the unintended consequences. But I thought, what is a company 
but really a smaller version of a society. It's people working together for a common goal. And so through this talk and the research that I've been doing, I've, I've written a book that's filled with stories like the Pepsi story, but also that make a point, which is as an entrepreneur or a business leader or an executive, you can maybe mitigate some of the negative impacts of unintended consequences if you just kind of do things a little bit more deliberately in your decision making. And, and that's really the six keys to securing your business success is by avoiding or mitigating unintended consequences, Marnie. Wow. Well, that was an amazing story and terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I was just talking to somebody this morning, and I said, you know, okay, so we have owned a restaurant, and we are uh, we've sold out just recently, and we own a retail store, and we're uh, we're closing down that store right now, and then I've got this online stuff going on, and I and I was thinking, you know, where am I, you know, where am I vulnerable here? As far as I didn't even know I was breaking the law. You know, I was talking to somebody this morning, and they had just learned that they were they were not zoned the place they're meeting is not zoned for what they're using it for and it's like oh you know there's all these things that could happen and it could stop us from going forward we could just sit at home and not ever do anything because we're so scared we're not going to do it perfectly Uh, how do you how do you balance that out you know due diligence you know try to figure out what you're supposed to do and do the best you can with the fear of getting it wrong how what do you how do you personally deal with that rick well, I, I, for me, I follow these six keys that I write about in my book. You know, and and like in my other book, we had an acronym which was rare. In this book, the acronym is secure, and the reason is we want to secure your future of your business. And so, I'll just quickly, just if I could, there are six well, very straightforward. How about, if, how about if we just take a break and come back and do that in just about oh. thirty seconds, okay? Okay, you guys, we'll be right back, and we're going to do the six keys to securing your business success in 30 seconds. Don't go away. Are you ready to experience your best life possible and share biblical success principles with others? Register for the SPY Coach Certification Program today. SPI or SPI stands for Success Principles Intensive. It's a six-hour online program that equips you to fully comprehend and train biblical success principles. You can check it out today over at Marnie.com. It's available as part of the mentorship program, or you can buy it as a standalone certification program. Learn more now at Marnie.com. That's M-A-R-N-I-E.com. Welcome back, and I hope you do check out the Success Principles Intensive Program over at Marty.com, as well as all the other resources over there. Our guest today, Rick Franz, has been sharing with us how to build our businesses and ministries with content marketing. You guys want to be sure to check out his website, criticalmassforbusiness.com. Rick, I so rudely interrupted you right before our break, and you were ready to share with us about six keys to securing your business success. Go on and tell us what they are. Awesome. I know you've got a clock you've got to stay to there, Marnie, and I appreciate that. So the first one, yes, is for slow down the decision process. Very simply, many times we feel like we're on a conveyor belt, and as the CEO or the entrepreneur, we've got to make this decision. And if you can just find the motor and turn the speed down a little bit to get you a little more time to make that decision, I have found you can do great things in identifying and then mitigating unintended consequences because rushing to a decision Mm -hmm. is fraught 
with risk. The second one is expand your knowledge. And when I say your knowledge, I mean your knowledge, the individual who's making the decision. Many times, you've got, there's only one person who can ultimately make that decision. Check with the people in your company. Check outside your company. Make sure you have as much information that's pertinent to making the decision as possible, but don't not make the decision because you're waiting for a little bit more information. Sooner or later, you've got to pull the trigger, but expand your knowledge. The C in secure is clarify the desired outcome. I have found in organizations, and they don't have to be very big, that once you announce what you want to have accomplished, many times we think our people who are going to take what Dr. Robert K. Merton, who was a sociologist who actually coined the term unintended consequences, what he found is uh, many times we, people aren't clear on what the outcome is that you really want, so they go off to take the action thinking they know what you want, but if you haven't clearly defined it for them, you leave yourself open for unintended consequences. The next step insecure is you, which is unify the team. And how do you do that? By effectively delegating and collaborating with your people. It is amazing to me, after something goes wrong in an organization, how many of the people within the company go, I could have told you that was going to happen, but nobody asked me. I wasn't involved in mm -hmm. the decision. Make sure you're collaborating and delegating responsibility as appropriate, but that leads me to the next letter, insecure, which is the R. As the leader, you still need to make sure you retain control throughout. In other words, sample it often. Make sure if there's anything surprising that happened early, you correct it. Don't let small unintended consequences turn into huge problems like Pepsi experienced in the Philippines in the 90s by retaining control throughout. And the final letter in the secure model is E, which is, that as you're working through this process, you need to ensure that you stay focused on the desired outcome. Don't get mired down too much in the detail. Make sure you've delegated and you've, you have teams that can handle that. And make sure that you constantly reinforce with the team where you're expecting this outcome to end up so that people remember, because sometimes in the course of action, they might forget a bit that there is a direction that ultimately was set and what you set out in the beginning. So the six secrets to kind of uh, securing your company's future is that acronym, SECURE, S-E-C-U-R-E. -E. That's awesome. Slow down, expand, clarify, unify, retain, and ensure. And it kind of goes back up to you know what you were talking about being before in the rare one, um, which was relevant, authentic, responsible and enlightened you you have the ability to be responsive as a smaller as a smaller business or a smaller ministry where you can actually turn very quickly and then it goes back to again clarifying that um, unifying the team we're doing that right now as we're closing down this retail store it's changing every few days um, all of the things that we taught everybody to do all through these years of running it um, all those rules change when you're in a closing sale. It's like it's a whole different business model. And then even from when you start it to, you know, when you're in the second stage of it, it all changes again. And so when you get, when you get to a position like this, you have this amazing ability to change. But if you don't communicate clearly, you, you lose a lot of ground. It's, it's the unexpected consequence or possibly should have been expected, but you use a lot, lose a lot of ground as people try to get their footing again. They, like our staff, 
our staff was after the first week. Rick, it was kind of funny because the Tuesday we started it on a on a Thursday, and the next Tuesday everything blew up. It was like, what's going on? Why is this so hard? But I realized that everything had changed and I hadn't communicated that clearly enough to the team. As soon as I got back on the communication, um, getting them trained up to date, what's, what things are doing now, then everybody's okay. And it, it really does work. I, I love these. These are really good. Slowing down is huge, isn't it? Yes, it is. It, it's kind of the, um, it's, sort of the counterbalance of what I said earlier about an entrepreneur, once you figure a good idea you want to implement, there is time you need to really deliberately just do some what-if thinking. It is really a powerful tool for those ministers or entrepreneurs who have people to ask them, here's what we want to do. Tell me all the things that could go wrong. It, it, it's a fun exercise. Make it playful. Don't make it doom and gloom. But sometimes you'd be surprised if just the ability to say this could happen – then you can say, all right, what can we do to make sure that doesn't happen then? Because that's really not what we want, right? <laughs> it's, it, 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 there, are, there are tons of tools out there to help people to slow down the decision process, but yet not be seen as not making decisions. Yeah, right. And, and even the, the second one, then the expand your knowledge. I remember when we first bought this store, and I would put out a, a marketing piece, you know, here's the sales of this week. And it was just mind-bending to me how people could make that sale into something totally that I didn't anticipate it to be just by a few words, you know. And But what helped is if I would run it by several people before I put it out there, they'd say, so, so I could do this or so you mean I could have that for that. And it's like, really, you saw that there, huh? So I think that this, you know, is such a good balanced approach to all of this where you just step back a little bit, you get a little bit more information coming in, and then you have this clarifying clarifying the desired outcome. Rick, I feel like that's something that a lot of people never do. They have the idea, they see how to do it, and they get going, and they don't ever stop and say, what am I really hoping that this is going to result in in the end? You know, I think most people are pretty surprised by what it does result in. Well, a lot of times in larger organizations, by the time the executives have determined the strategy, many times they have decision fatigue where it's like, They've been dealing with it for long enough that they're sort of almost tired of it. And right when they need to amp their energy up to, to clarify the outcome and take the questions and spend the time to make sure the team understands it, they just want to delegate it down and sort of move on to the next thing because they're tired of it. And that is a huge opportunity to seed the sow, seed, seed the, sow the seeds of unintended consequences in your business. Right. It's, I, I do a lot of training on mission and vision and, and goals. And you think about all the sports that you, any sport you can think of, it has got a clearly defined goal, whether it's a, a hole on a green for a golfer or whether it's a you know, field goal post for a football player. It doesn't matter. Whatever sport you go in, it has a clearly defined goal. But a lot of times when we have these business ideas or ministry ideas, we don't have it clearly defined. All we know is what we're supposed to start doing. And it is so helpful to make sure that you stop and you take the time to say, what am I really hoping that this is going to result in? What am I thinking is going to come out of all of this effort? And to keep that in mind as you're going forward. Oh, my goodness. This hour has flown by, Rick. I, I knew it would because we have, when I'm on your show, too, we have so much fun. 
and uh, share a lot of great, great uh, ideas back and forth. Rick, if people go over to your website at criticalmassforbusiness.com, what are they going to find over there? They're going to find examples of content marketing. They're going to find links to powerful radio show. You know, when you and I started doing our podcast, we couldn't call them podcasts, right, because podcasts weren't seen it. Now the radio shows, I have more listeners of the podcast than I do to my live right. radio show, but, you know, it's yep, now a yep. podcast. All, all that archives of information. They'll also find helpful videos that talk about the power of peer learning as well as other educational content. And there's a little bit more information about Rick Franzi as, a, as an entrepreneur and as a, as a person here in Southern California who's building his business through social media and content marketing. You know, um, Seth Godin said, content marketing is all the marketing that's left. And Guy Kawasaki said, provide good content, and you'll earn the right to promote your product. I really believe these thought leaders who have created pretty strong brands and have accomplished great things in their professional life are right, that for entrepreneurs, ministers, speakers, um, content marketing can be a powerful enabler of your brand and your messaging. What's really fun about it from my perspective is that you're just giving. And I, years ago, I went through a training program called Give to Get Marketing. <laughs> and I, you know, I kind of wrestled with it a little bit. Is that, is that why I'm really giving is to get? And the reality is no. You don't only give in order to get. But also the principle is it's built into the world, into the universe, and into our hearts that when you give, you do get. I mean, that's just going to happen. It's, it's a natural consequence of being a generous person is receiving something back and not necessarily the same thing as you gave or whatever, but the reality is that that's a, that's a key principle in life. And so this content marketing idea is so beautiful because it allows us to freely give and then to receive the benefit of that back. And I, I just love that we're here right now. <laughs> it's such a great place to be. Rick, uh, wow, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for all you do for people in business and for um, helping get the word out about new resources for people in business. Uh, just so fun to know you and to be able to work with you like this. Thanks for being here. Thank you for being a good soul. I love you, even though I've never met you in a professional way. I think your spark <laughs> and your energy is so attracting to people. I'm, I'm so happy that you've built a community of people who are benefiting from the work you're doing because what I think you're doing is amazing. And it's an honor to be asked to be on your show. So thank you for this time. Oh, well, thank you, and thank you for that. And thank you guys for being here. Oh, my goodness, can't have a radio show without you guys coming to listen. And today's show is number one on Black Talk Radio as we air today. So thank you to all of you who come live. And to those who listen around the web, thank you for that. And to those who host this show on your own um, on your own websites, I'm so grateful to you. And if you have a guest that you'd like to recommend to us, go over to MarniesFriends.com and just scroll down to the bottom and go ahead and do that there. And otherwise, uh, visit Marnie.com and check out what's there. Hope you have a wonderful day, a wonderful week, and we will see you next time on Marnie's Friends. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>